remember, if you were with us this time last year, if you remember this time last year, this is when I come out and tell you where you're going to be for Easter. This is where I give you your Easter plans. Remember that last year? And you're going to be here uh, Easter weekend with all of the the people and friends that that you have invited to join us for that whole Easter weekend. We're we're going to do Easter again this year at Moncton Westland, and, uh, and it's going to be awesome. So we're excited about that. So here's some of the stuff. The family deal, the bunny blast that we did on Saturday, we're bringing that back again this year. Uh, Free pancake breakfast, 30,000 Easter eggs to hunt for. 30,000. They're going to do a live show to to communicate the Easter message to all of those people on Saturday morning. Uh, There's going to be the the inflatable bouncy castles, carnival games, live animals. Uh, So that's going to be on the Saturday, that big event. Then on Sunday... Your favorite artist from our Christmas production this year, the Weebs, are going to be with us Sunday, Sunday morning. Yeah? Know that you love them. Then our special guest speaker is a true world-renowned uh, scholar and teacher, Dr. Craig Evans, who is a recurring guest on Dateline. Uh, Craig's been a consultant to National Geographic. Craig was a consultant to Mark Burnett when they were, when they were uh, putting together the Bible series that we all watched last year. Guy that, who was a consultant on that series, Craig Evans, is going to be here Easter Sunday morning with us. He's going to share. Yep. Craig's going to be talking about evidence for the resurrection, uh, the reliability of Scripture, and why he believes Jesus is the Son of God. And so that's just going to be glory, hallelujah, shouting ground. I can tell you, it is going to be one awesome weekend. And we are Moncton Wesleyan. We are a church of people inviting people to experience and follow Jesus. And we're going to see hundreds of lives change for eternity. I can't wait. All right. And that's way more exciting than a hockey game. Not to downplay the hockey, but way more exciting. Uh, and I also want to say, because I haven't been here for a few weeks, but I just, I just want to remind you, our greatest days are ahead. We have some exciting vision and initiatives and a whole bunch of new ministry ideas that are coming your way that you're going to love. I want you to know that the staff are fired up. The staff aren't dragging around. They're, they're, they're excited. They're pumped. They're amped. They're, they're wired up. Some of them are even caffeinated. Uh, we're working on the others. Uh, they're excited. Uh, I have people coming to me all the time telling me, hey, Pastor Tim, we're with you. We're excited about the future of this church and what God is doing. I have people coming to me saying, I want, we want to serve. We want to get involved. And uh, if, if you've been one of those, I just say, just, just hang on. Those serve opportunities are coming. And, uh, and we're going to get as many people as we can plugged in to, to helping us accomplish the vision and the mission that God has given to us in this city and I was thinking this week, you know, transition is like Buckley's. It tastes awful, but it works. Like, what are you going to do? We all had to take the transition pill. We all had to swig it. We, there was no way around it. We all had to go through the transition. Tastes awful, but it works. And so for, we're, we're, we're emerging now. We're coming out, and, uh, and I'm really, really um, fired up about what God is doing. So part of what God is doing, that's uh, what we're going to be talking about this morning, is uh, what we are all going to be doing for Lent for the next 40 days, beginning tomorrow morning, church-wide emphasis that we're all going to participate in for Lent. And uh, and it's called the Community Bible Experience. Let me explain. The publishers of the New International Version of the Bible took the 27 books of the New Testament and put it into book form for us. And, And it's 
it's it put into uh, readings in chronological order, the New Testament. And so it's not like starting in Matthew and reading right through to the book of Revelation. You're going to get, you know, the, the readings, they've, they've put them together for us. You read a certain amount every day, obviously. And then by the end of the 40 days, you have read the entire New Testament in chronological order. And we're going to do this together. The Wesleyan Church, as a denomination, is the first denomination to, to, to do this as a denominational-wide campaign. So as we're doing it, you're joining thousands of, of others, hundreds and hundreds of, of Wesleyan churches around the world who are also going to be doing this uh, starting tomorrow morning. If you're thinking, well, how come I'm just hearing about it now? It's because we've had 17 consecutive snow Sundays. <laughs> Have you seen the pile of snow out in the parking lot at the church, right? I think Pulley Mountain's getting nervous about our snow pile out there in the parking lot. So that's why you're just, you're just finding out uh, about this. Some of you have heard about it. Some of you haven't. So this is a, a church-wide campaign. There are two big keys to the campaign, okay? First one is to, right after this service, go out into the lobby, get yourself a book. You, you need a book. So we want you to, uh, everyone to do this uh, right after the service. The books cost us $9. We're going to charge you 10 the reason is, if you can't afford nine or ten or whatever, if you can, you know, pay what you can afford. If you can afford five bucks, pay five bucks. And other generous people will pay ten or more than ten and make up the difference. That's the books. We're just trying to recover our costs on the book. So that's the first part. Get a book before you leave. Um, there's a bookmark in the book. Great place to put a bookmark is in a book, don't you think? And the bookmark has the reading plan for you. That's, that's what you follow right there, Okay. The second big part of this is to get into a book club. They've tested this with, uh, they say, around 300,000 people worldwide. And they say that you will, you will benefit exponentially more. You'll get a whole lot more out of this if you get with a few people. Even if it's two or three, uh, a book club might be the small group that you're already in. It might be a new group that you start for the 40 days of Lent. Uh, you might just simply after the service say to, to a couple of people, hey, do you, want to, do you want to do this? And you meet once a week. And the questions for your book club are on the back of the bookmark. Easy, right? So you just meet and you, you ask each other these questions and you talk about what you've been reading up to that point. You can meet in a Tim Hortons. You can meet in a McDonald's. You can meet in someone's house. It doesn't matter. Uh, wherever, wherever you meet. But the idea is to get... Uh, into a book club. That's a, big, that's a big part of it. Okay? So the absolute over-the-top best idea would be to invite some of your non-church friends to join this with you and say, hey, if I buy you a book, will you, will you read this with me? And we're going to meet once a week and just talk about it. No pressure. You know, we're not trying to put you through the Bible thump for 5,000. We're just, we're just, we'll just read this and we'll talk about it. And then hopefully they'll, they'll come to uh, Easter weekend with you and uh and we'll see what god does in their lives that would be over the top that would be be really really awesome uh if you need books this week uh come into the church office and we'll help you out if we run out of books we'll order more books and uh that's the community bible experience and i'm excited about what what can happen when the entire church when everyone gets into god's word for the 40 days of lent i'm really excited about the potential of that and what that can do in our church. And so the series is um, the Community Bible Experience. As a, as a Sunday morning series, what we're going to do is each Sunday, 
we're going to preach from one of the texts that you were reading during the week, okay? And that's, that's how we're going to unfold this as a series. Last Sunday with Dr. Smith, that was part of the setup. That's kind of why we want you to, to read, uh, to, to back and listen to his message. Today is part of the setup to the series, just kind of launching this deal. And then tomorrow you get into your reading and we are off and running. So this morning for a few minutes, we're going to look at the book of James. And James talks about why the word is so vitally important in our lives. James was the brother of Jesus. One of the ways, one of the great, greatest ways that we know that Jesus was who he said he was is that even his own brother believed that he was the son of God. My, my siblings never wondered if I was God. <laughs> you know, never, never once did it cross their minds. Do you think maybe... I mean, they, they thought I was from another planet. They thought I was from another family. They thought I was from the pit, but they never thought I was God, right? And James, although he, he, he lived with Jesus and, and, and knew him obviously intimately as brothers, still James, James believed, worshipped, and followed his brother Jesus as the Son of God. It's really a pretty, pretty convincing stuff. And so as we look at James, the, the text that we're going to read here in a few minutes, I want you to remember that these authors of Scripture, they had, they had revelation from the Holy Spirit. They were inspired by the Holy Spirit as they were writing this stuff down for us. And they knew that the Word, if you take that phrase, the Word, they knew that the Word was unfolding right in front of them. Literally, it was the, God's Word was unfolding right in front of them. And they also knew that they had a responsibility to capture God's Word for us. And uh, we're going to see James use the term, the word, okay? We're going to see him use that that term in this text that we're going to read. And before we get there, I just want to tell you that the word has several meanings. When you hear that phrase, the word, it can refer to the word that that James, and they didn't have the New Testament. They were writing the New Testament. They didn't have it. But they had words from previous prophets, kings, judges, who had, who had recorded a lot, and they had that as a word. That's, that's one of the meanings of it. Um, they had the words of Jesus that they heard firsthand, and, the, and they just, those words, again, they were, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit, and they captured those words, and they remembered the words of Jesus, and they just, they just held on to everything that they heard uh, Jesus say. Um, they had the words of their contemporaries. There were lots of people who were writing this stuff down as it was happening, trying to capture it. Uh, so they, they had the words of their peers and their contemporaries. Uh, they had the word as a reference to Jesus himself. John said, here he is. Here's the word of God. There was a reference to Jesus. So they had that as well. And then they had the words that they were writing as a, as a body of text that you and I would hold someday in our hands and, and we would have this to, to, to guide us and to live by, okay? So the word, when James uses that, it, it was loaded. It, it, it was packed um, it was for, for James. And it was, it's loaded with power as more than just, this was more than just a story. This was more than just history. This was more than just, oh, that was cool. Let's, let's write that down. This, James knew that this was the living breathing word of God, that it was inspired by the Holy Spirit, that, that God had given us the word to be everything that we need. It's bread for the hungry. It's light in the darkness. It's hope for the hurting. It's peace for the troubled. It's comfort for the, 
for the lonely. James knew that, that God's word would be like a, like a sword, like a shield, an immeasurable, unfathomable, unlimited source of spiritual wisdom. You run to God's word when you need refuge. You rest in God's word when you are weary. You stand on God's word when the winds are blowing. There has never been any other written work like God's word, and there never will be. It is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So let's read God's word. It's James chapter 1, and going to begin reading in verse 19. James says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So, get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word, James says. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself. Your religion is worthless. Pure A genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. James is a straight shooter. Hold on here. I haven't preached for like three weeks, so so just be patient with me while I get a drink here. Okay. James is a straight shooter. Immensely practical. There are only five chapters in this little book called James. And if you, if you like bottom line, if you're kind of one of those, you know, just, just give me the goods. Give me the bottom line. Go straight to the point. You know, you'll love the book of James. It's just a practical little textbook on how to live the Christian life. And James says to us in this text, he says, hey, it's good to hear the word, right? We're glad that you're here. And it's good to hear the word. It's good to read the word. It's good to have the word. You can have, you know, have a Bible in your home, have a Bible, you know, have several of them. It's good to have the word. But if you don't do something with the word, you're missing the whole point. You can hear it. You can read it. You can come to church every Sunday. You can have one of these and carry it around with you all the time. You can get a big one. You can get a big old Bible, you know. It doesn't, James says, if you don't do something with the word, you're missing the whole point. The point of the word is to apply it to our lives. Now, the goal of the, the community Bible experience, why are we doing this? To sell books? No, I, I don't care about selling books. You know, are we doing this just to, to, to uh, uh, increase the reading of, uh, of our people, you know, just get your reading? I mean, no, that's not why we're doing it. The goal of this is transformation. That's the goal. The goal is, is that you would emerge out of this Lent season like you had just spent 40 days with a personal trainer preparing for the Olympics. We want you to, 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 to just blast out of, out of Lent come Easter weekend, just coming out of reading the New Testament, God's Word. We want you to just come out of that stronger than ever before and, and, and just powered up by God's Spirit. If you apply what you are reading, God will speak to you like never before if you apply it. 
you'll change. You'll grow. Chains can be broken in your life. Barriers can be broken in your life if you apply the word of God. Stuff that you've held on to for years, stuff that is rotting in there, stuff that is stinking in there, stuff that you wish you could break free of. God can, can take that stuff out of your life. He can free you from that stuff if, if, if you do something with God's word, if you apply it. Nothing is impossible when you get into God's word. Nothing is impossible when you apply God's word. So let's, uh, let's test it out, sh- shall we? Are you ready? I'm going to test it out. Verse 19. James says, understanding this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all, and all in the original Greek means all. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And James says, no good to hear that. It's no good to just read it. You have to apply it. You have to apply it. You've got to be slow, quick, quick. Right? No, quick, slow, slow. Is he paying attention? You've got to be quick, slow, slow. If you're going to apply this, you need to literally start doing this now. Start doing it now. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to get angry. And some of you are thinking, well, you know, I'm the, I'm the boss. You know, I'm allowed to get angry. You know, it doesn't matter. Or if you're the parent, or even if the other person is wrong, or even if the other person annoys you to no end, you're thinking, oh, Pastor Tim, you don't know. You don't, you don't know how they drive me nuts. James says, you've got to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And too often, we're slow, quick, quick. We're not quick, slow, slow. We're slow, quick, quick. Some of you have been slow, quick, quick your whole lives. Some of you have always been that way. How do you, how do you change from, from years of habits? You, how do you do that? Well, you invite God's word to be more than just words on a page. You invite God's word to come deep into your life and you apply it. You submit to it. You surrender to it. You don't just read it. You, you absorb it and you let it convict you and then you respond to it with a willingness to, to do anything, a willingness to do anything that God asks you to do in order to be more like Christ. So as God, God uh, stuff jumps off the pages, as God brings things to light in your life, you submit to it and you say, God, you're right. You're right. And you, and you stop running from that stuff. You stop... stop avoiding that stuff and you surrender to it and you let God do his work in your life. Verse 21. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. Here's how I would encourage you to approach verse 21 where James says, get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. Here's how I would encourage you to approach that. Don't be your own judge on what is filth and evil in your life. Don't, you don't be the judge on that. And allow God to speak to you on anything. Because there's probably stuff in your life that you've been convincing yourself is okay for you. And God might point that out and say, you know, that's, that's wrong. We need to deal with that. We need to go there. And, and the crazy thing is, is it could be okay for someone else, but God might say it's not, it's not okay for you. 
You're like, oh, that's not fair. Well, you learned that when you were three. Life's not one of the first lessons, isn't it? It might be something that's, that, that's morally accepted in our culture. It might be something that's legal in our culture, but God says it's, it's, it's not good for you. It's hurting you. And, and it, it, it's becoming a, a barrier between us. And, and God just, just surfaces something. He brings something to light. And you have to deal with it. And you have to say, okay, you're right. And, and I surrender. I, su- I submit to that. The second part, verse 21, James puts a couple of words in there that just, they're powerful. It says, humbly accept. If you're the kind of person who brings your Bible to church and you highlight and you, and you underline, I'd underline those two words, humbly accept, because it's, it's, very, it's very powerful. James points to the root of our problem. The reason why we resist God's work in our life, the reason why we don't apply his word into our life, James says, is our pride. Because we don't humbly accept. It's, it's, it's our pride. Where we're, we're too confident, we're too self-sufficient, we're too wise in our own eyes. And we don't want to submit to anything. And James just nails it in verse 21 when he says, when you're reading this thing, don't just read it, but humbly accept the word that God is planting into your hearts. And Moncton Weston, I'm, I would say to us today, I, I'm, I'm going to say to us today, as you get into God's word, word this week, Repent of pride. Repent of pride and self-centeredness. And, and you might need a reminder on this. You might, along with your bookmark, you might need to take a sticky note and, and write a little prayer. Now my bookmark's gone. There it is. Anybody want to put a sticky note on here with, with a little prayer, something like this. Lord, I humbly come to your word in need of direction. You speak and I will listen. And, 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 and let that little prayer follow you the whole way through, through the book as you read. God, Lord, I humbly come to your word in need of direction. You know, I don't have all the answers. God, I need you. You speak and I will listen. Last part of verse 21. James says, uh, for it has the power. God's word has the power. Hmm, if I was Pastor B, I'd say, it has the power. <laughs> and I would use some illustration about whatever horsepower is in this car, right? It has the power, James says. The power to save your souls. I mean, this book is not, it's not like a self-help book that you find on the you know, New York Times list. It's not, you know, some guru you know, recommends this like it's a diet or something like that. This book has the power to save your soul. That separates it from every other, any other work that has ever been written. Seekers, uh, pre-believers, uh, people have, have picked up this book with, with no prior belief in God. They've picked it up as research and started to read this book. And God has revealed himself to them out of this book. Think of the power of that. And as they're reading, the Holy Spirit starts to speak to them and it becomes not a historical, con- a historical uh, letter. It becomes truth and it pierces them and they believe in Jesus Christ as the risen, resurrected Savior and they follow him with their lives. That's how powerful 
this book is. It's, 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 it's awesome. And so as I read it, I have to remind myself, I, I'm not a good person who needed to be better. It's not like I need a few good tips. I was a dead person who needed to be brought back to life. And that's the power of this book. Verse 22, James says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. So this is James, the brother of Jesus. Not Tim Guptill. James. He says, look, all you ever do is hear it. You know, go to church for an hour on Sunday morning and, and you hear it. Good for you. If all you ever do is, is read it. If all you ever do is listen to it. But you don't do anything with it, James says. You're fooling yourself. If you read it, but you don't let it read you, you're fooling yourself. If you hear it, maybe even agree to it. Maybe even think, oh, that's good. I hope so-and-so was listening. That was for them. You ever do that in church? No. But you don't apply it into your own life. James says you're fooling yourself. See, gang, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have to be a doer of the word. Followers of Jesus are doers of the word. That's it. That's the deal. Followers of Jesus are doers of the word. Say it with me. Followers of Jesus are doers of... Let's do it again. Followers of Jesus are do. You don't believe it. Come on. Followers of Jesus are doers of the word. That's, what, that's the deal. If you're going to follow Jesus, then you allow God's word to speak deeply into your life. This book will guide you. It will lead you. It will change your life. The two are inseparable. And James says, it's, 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 you're like someone who looks into a mirror, but you don't do anything about it. Now, I'm glad that most of you this morning looked into a mirror and did something about it. Aren't you? And James says, it's just like people who like, oh, yeah, whatever. And off they go, and they don't fix their hair. This actually takes a lot of time. This is actually quite high maintenance, to be honest. And James says, you don't pick the broccoli out of your teeth. You're like, oh, ah, oh, okay, whatever. Off you go. He says, you're fooling yourself. You don't see anything that needs to be attended to. You just show up. Take a quick glance in the mirror, but you don't really apply it to your life for change. You read scripture and say, oh, that was nice, and close the book and continue to live with stuff in your life that Jesus died to save you from. Now, the next 40 days, it's more than just an emphasis. It's more than a Lent campaign, okay? It's not about selling books. The goal of this for our church, Moncton Wesleyan, is radical transformation for Jesus Christ in your lives, in your lives, individual lives. And, and I want you to say, at the end, I hope people are, are coming to me or whoever. I just hope people are saying that the conversation around here is that this changed my life, that, that, that I applied God's word into my life like never before. And the stuff that God did in my life, I hope, truly, I hope that this sparks revival in our communities. I hope that, that people get a hold of this. I hope that you're talking about it at work. I hope that, that hundreds of lives are changed for eternity because God's people get into God's word and they didn't just read it, but they did something with what they were reading and they allowed it to, to, to change their lives. There's, there's tremendous potential in this for all of us.
Wouldn't it be awesome if we saw hundreds of people come to Jesus this Easter season at Moncton Wesleyan? Now, one thing we'll never do here at Moncton Wesleyan is assume that everyone who's here is, is already in a relationship with Jesus Christ, that they, they've, they've, they, they're walking with God, they're following Jesus, they're already there. We're not going to assume that at all. In fact, I want to assume the opposite. We need a steady stream of spiritually searching people coming through our doors. That's why we do what we do. And so if that's you and you're here and you're kind of still kind of, you know, looking into this deal, we're really, 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 really glad that you are, that you are here. And so we'll never assume that everyone has a relationship with Jesus. And the reason we do what we do here is to introduce you to Jesus and to help you believe in him as your personal savior. And when you cross that line of faith, when, when Jesus becomes more than just a historical figure, when you realize it's true, he's real, and, and I need to do something about that. I need to take that next step. When, when you cross that line of faith, Jesus comes into your life, and you literally begin a relationship with him that will last for eternity. Now, for those of you who... Maybe you have like a whole bunch of questions and, and, and you just, you've got a whole bunch of unanswered things that are just kind of hanging out there. Um, I just want to remind you this morning that it's, it's a faith. It, it requires faith. And no one in this room has all their answers, all their questions answered. No, none of us. I've got questions. Everyone in this room has at least a few things. You think, well, when I get to heaven, I'll tell you what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to God about that right? Mosquitoes, stuff like that, you know. (laughs) And bigger stuff, like what's the deal? We all have questions. So following Jesus isn't it about having all all the questions answered or having all the information. Following Jesus is about trust and faith and believing that he is who he says he is. So when you cross that line, yeah. So it's something that you do by faith. And then after you make that decision, um, God's promise is that the Holy Spirit will will come into your life and the Holy Spirit will guide you and the Holy Spirit will teach you and you'll grow and you'll learn and we're here for you as well. And uh, and that's that's how it happens. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer right now. And there may be some, there there were at least three or four people in the first service who prayed with me. Here's the deal, totally up front. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. You can, you can bow your head if you want. You can stare at me if you want. You can count lights in the ceiling. It doesn't matter. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if you want to uh, cross that line of faith and say, Jesus Christ, I believe you're God's son. Don't have all the answers, but I want to trust you today and I want to invite you into my life. Then you pray with me. Then, after the prayer, uh, I'm going to ask for a show of hands just to see. All we want to do is encourage you and support you, and help you. We're not going to embarrass you uh, or, or anything like that. We just, want to, we just want to know if there's anyone here this morning who prayed with me. So, so let's pray together right now. And if you uh, need to invite Jesus Christ into your life, then, then just pray this prayer with me. You can pray it out loud. You can pray it to yourself. God will hear either way. Jesus, I believe right now that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came to this earth, 
born of a virgin, died on a cross for my sin, but that you rose again, that you were resurrected, and that, that you're alive and you're here right now. And Jesus, I want to invite you into my life right now at this very moment. And I want to begin a relationship with you. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm stepping out in faith in this moment, Jesus, where I might not have all the answers, but I know that you're here and I know that you're speaking to me. And so I'm trusting that your promises are true and you're coming into my life right now. That, and God, I invite you to, to look into the deepest places of my life. I'm asking you to forgive me of everything I've ever done that, that, that has wronged you or has kept me from you. And whatever you bring to light, I, I, will, I will repent of that. I will ask you to forgive it and I will move on knowing, God, that you, you, you're the God of second chances and I thank you for giving me this fresh start right now. And so, God, I look forward to, to spending eternity with you and I thank you, Jesus, for this, this opportunity of, of grace that I've had in this moment right now to trust you as my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life. In your name I pray, amen.